Welcome to the Westside Personalized Podcast, where real educators share their classroom-tested, learner-approved personalization practices. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion and are able to find a few valuable takeaways from the podcast. And so without further ado, let's go to the pod! All right, welcome to another edition of the Westside Personalized Podcast, uh, and I'm really excited today to have Angela Mosier uh, as our special guest who we're going to get a chance to visit with about a couple different personalized learning aspects of her day. Uh, she just got a chance to finish up some doctoral work, yay, uh, in, with personalized learning, so we're going to get an opportunity to hear a little bit about what she put together for everything that went into that, and then she obviously then has implemented some personalized learning into her classroom, uh, and so we'll kind of... Uh, let that be the second half of today's podcast. But I guess first and foremost, welcome Angela to the podcast. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so glad to have you. Uh, we did a video last year, yep. um, kind of on flexible space, and uh, at Westside High School, there's modular scheduling, and they have what we call our uh, IMC areas. And so for the math IMC, that's where students can go and work on math and talk to teachers. And they did a, an entire space redesign. So if you want to check out that video, that's something that's on our website. It's also on my YouTube page. Um, so you can go and learn some more from Angela there, and we'll probably put it in the show notes. But uh, today, we're going to dive into that doctoral work, which you just finished. Yes, last week. So you're just fresh off of that. How's it feel? It feels pretty good. I'm waiting for one more checkpoint, and then it's all done. Oh, that's got to be pretty yes. awesome. Okay, and so for the people that are listening in, I guess, what was sort of the focus within personalized learning, I guess? Like, how did you kind of start your refining towards a thesis and, and what you eventually ended okay. up doing? Um, I think what kind of inspired me to focus on personalized learning for my topic is some of the beginning years of personalized learning within the district. Teachers, you are hearing the buzzwords, but it's kind of like, okay, what is this whole thing about? And so some teachers went to see another school and, you know, okay, what's happening here? And -hmm. they saw some focuses in some content areas a lot heavier than in other content areas. And so that kind of made me think about, okay, if this is a great strategy to help all kids, how can we make sure that teachers, no matter what their content area is in, has the resources they need that would be specific to math versus English versus science, social studies, and even your elective courses. So I started reading up on implementing personalized learning in a variety of content areas. What does that look like? Where do we see more examples coming from? Where do we see no examples coming from? Mm -hmm. And so the topic of my study was teachers' challenges of implementing personalized learning within their content area. So what I was able to do was use strategic plan data there where teachers were answering questions like, in the past 10 days, how many times have you implemented student voice and choice? Okay. And they did that for each of the five elements. So I analyzed all of that amongst the content areas. Where are content areas high? Where are they low? Where do we see significant differences? And then I had eight participants, all from different content areas, where I observed a class that they were implementing something Mm -hmm. with personalized learning. It could be one element. It could have been all five. And then I did a follow-up interview with them afterwards where we processed their lesson, as well as asked them some questions about why do you think your department came out this way in the strategic plan data? So figuring out why Mm -hmm. was this your highest implemented element? Why would this be your lowest? And then asking, what, what do you need? So really just looking on that goal of how can we take this overall district goal and make it focus 
and work for all teachers. Right. And that's something that, uh, for those that are listening in that are not part of Westside, uh, we do have within our, our vision statement for the district that we're going to personalize the learning experience for all students uh, in the very first sentence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in our house document, which is really to say that it kind of breaks that, that vision down into its pillars. The second pillar is personalized learning and doing that for both students and staff. And in the midst of kind of with all that as a focus, uh, yeah, it is interesting to kind of think about where, because in my role too as a personalized learning collaborator, I've noticed that there just have been certain departments that have reached out a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And I've been very curious to know if that's just because we have better relationships (laughs) as personalized learning collaborators with those Mm -hmm. departments or um, what we found also, I mean, that this is probably true of some of our elementaries is that um, there's one elementary in our district that chose to have all their teachers trained in year one of this initiative. And there's been personalized learning in every classroom there at all levels up to this point. And there are others that sort of have waited or had about half of their building come through. And and those buildings maybe don't have as many personalized practices at play on a regular, you know, day-to-day basis as the school I just previously mentioned. So is it more about just how widespread or like how many people are starting to get invested? You know, like, oh, it worked in your class? Oh, that sounds really cool. And ideas start to get shared. Um, And that can happen within departments too, I would think. So it's interesting to kind of hear your focus and so what were some of the things that you you found from kind of putting all that together looking at our strategic plan I guess that's the other thing to bring up too real quick yeah. is that we do a district-wide survey students teachers kind of all all stakeholders where they ask a myriad of questions related to the initiatives that we do have I know Mark Weichel our assistant superintendent came back after last year and said that he was really pleased that in the five elements of personalized learning district-wide that those numbers all went up after year one of our initiative with this grant which is to say that we are personalizing more yeah. on a regular basis, which is super cool. Uh, and so that same data fed into your Yes, that's what work. I looked okay. at. Okay, good. So I just want to set that up for people listening. Yeah. And, and so kind of getting into that then. And so when looking at the survey data, there were three personalized learning elements that actually had statistical differences. Knowing your learners was one of them. And then backing that up with interview data, what was interesting is about that is teachers were still kind of messing with the definition of it. What does it truly mean to know your learners? Is it Mm -hmm. knowing where they're at and what learning style they have? How do they best learn? What topics are they interested in? Or is it just simply just knowing your kid? What are you involved in? What are you doing? So you have the academic side versus the personal side. And so that's conflicting in teachers' mind of where do they go? Mm -hmm. Kind of with it, as well as time. I mean, if you're looking at 120, 130 kids, it's gonna take time during the year to actually do that. And what's hard is up here we switch kids at semester. So you're constantly in that process of getting to know kids and then getting to know kids again. So it's kind (laughs) of that never ending cycle of Mm -hmm. how much in depth are we gonna go? with knowing your learners. Yeah, if I I was gonna tease those two out, just in my like experience with all this, because I do agree with you that Mm -hmm. knowing your learners factors into the data informed on some level, like right, so how much of that is statistical information that I know about them versus knowing them as people. Yeah. I would say, for me at least, that data, that knowing your learner, anything that can help them academically be more successful and that they can also write down or see, you know, concretely in front of them Mm -hmm. would fall under that data info. So maybe that's your test scores. Maybe that's your learning preferences. It still is kind of knowing you're learning those those two. And they they tie in so close together that I think it's it's hard that maybe teachers need to realize these two are tied together. Mm -hmm. And there's not, it doesn't have to be this or this. Right. And I think that is kind of a place where 
it's okay if you combine these. It's fine. Mm-hmm. You're doing what's best for kids, and that's really the overall goal. Yeah, and, that, and that's why those two sections are together in our training. It's the only two elements that we present at the same time, and I think for all the reasons that you're talking about. What I love, though, too, is I hear as people implement personalized learning practices or for an entire unit, teachers repeatedly say that they feel like they had an opportunity to work in smaller groups or to devote additional one-on-one time to their students uh, so that they get an opportunity to just know them, generally yeah. speaking, better. Um, and that's a rewarding experience for the teacher, and I think it also sort of just lines up with that element pretty well. And so, yeah, those lines are a little fuzzy, I think, though. I think it's, that yeah. makes sense. And then with the next one, um, yeah, student... So, so on to the next, sorry. Yeah, it's okay. Element number two. That... Um, student voice and choice okay. was another big one that came up. And what I found out that, and being a math teacher, this one hit home definitely okay. with me, is that... Some content areas can lend itself a little bit better to student voice and choice than others. And it's more of the structure of that content. So if you're thinking of being math, you have to have step one before you can move on to step two. Mm-hmm. So there is definite a course sequence that we have to follow. Sure. And so we can't go out to students and say, okay, here, go pick a topic you really like and study it because we need to make sure you have that foundation to build. So think of your math classes, your engineering classes are definitely like that, and your science classes. Mm-hmm. The other thing that comes into play is when you're looking at dual enrollment and AP work, those guidelines are set for you. So you can't really sway a whole lot in terms of picking content standards that you want to teach, but teachers need to be opened up a little bit more to, okay, we're going to teach this standard, but we're going to teach this standard three different ways. Right. And then you can focus on what standard to pick. But that is also, as a teacher, a hard time thinking, oh, I have to plan three different lessons <laughs> for this one standard. You know, yeah. we could take the easy route. And so that came up a lot with student voice and choice. And it wasn't that it was a bad thing, but that teachers felt their hands were tied. Mm-hmm. And especially when you have common planning and maybe you have a team where you have two teachers who are like, yeah, we'll do this and this and this, but maybe you have three teachers who just aren't as comfortable with that. Right. You also have to fit that in your teacher style. How much chaos can you handle <laughs> You yep. know, in your classroom? And that isn't a fit for everybody. And sometimes teachers are like, well, you try it first and maybe next time I'll pick up. You know what? That's okay, too. Yep. That was the experience that I had with uh, within my English department. I work with the English One Honors team here. Phenomenal educators. Love Steph Pepke and Steph Heitman. Mm-hmm. And they initially said, well, try to personalize this. Tell us how it goes. We'll come watch. And then the next kind of go around and they were, you know, were a little bit more invested and wanted to, you know, try out those things, having seen it and then mm-hmm. got a chance to experience and get some feedback as well. And then I gamified a personalized unit. Same kind of conversation, right? Go ahead and try that. And so it does, it, it might look like that as things sort of grow. I like too, though, that your choice just encompasses so much. There's just an opportunity sometimes to, like you said, differentiate the way in which you engage in new material, right? Or, yeah. it's, or it's the choice in where you get to sit, or it's a choice in pace. And sometimes when the flexibility isn't there within the content, choice aspect then starts to focus in on all those other things uh, that really tailor to learner preferences and provide an opportunity for the teacher to get to to go back to our previous thing know the students a little bit more uh, and also construct documents or you know our plps and all these things we're talking about to put that information down somewhere that helps them to navigate what choices you are providing in a way that's optimal for them uh, for who they are and for their learning style preference whatever you want to call it yeah and it's one of the most interesting lessons that I saw that I thought kind of took the concept of personalized learning and it was just full blown all out there was in a science classroom where you had a topic of the day and it could have gone into a small group lecture based from the teacher 
or students could have done some online simulations, or mm-hmm. students could have met in groups and did a lab. Yeah. And it was just interesting because, and we even brainstormed um, just as colleagues before he did this, you know, how do you get kids to make authentic choices for just, you know, them and not like, oh, I want to go work with my friends because they're in that group, which is another (laughs) thing with choice. I think that any teacher struggles with, but you know, it was just seeing that it was very flexible. You know, if this method wasn't working for you, come back and try this other Mm -hmm. one and seeing how that works in, you know, a classroom. And, but also too, when you do that, one of the major themes that came out in the qualitative portion of my study was that teachers need to be masters in their content areas. Mm -hmm. That if you don't continue growing in your content area, how are you gonna come up with three or four different ways to do this? Sure. You know, and that's one push that when you look at a teaching strategy and wanna grow in that, we need to make sure that that content area growth is parallel to it and that you're not holding one back because you're focusing on just a strategy. You gotta build the content along with it. Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, that came out really loud and clear, but when you are that master teacher, you see what's possible. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, it was neat to see that. I think in all the interviews that I did and those observations, one part that was fun for me was just seeing what teachers do in those classrooms. And, you know, <laughs> oh, not I've... being in a math classroom yes. all day, I mean, it was phenomenal to see what kids do in other departments and thinking, okay, how can I kind of steal that and twist that to make that work for me? And it's, I, that's something I would like to just continue go out and doing is just saying, hey, can mm-hmm. I just come watch and see what you do in here? Yeah. Because for me, that was personal growth along with what I was able mm-hmm. to build from my research. Well, um, and I'll kind of take a little tangent to say, too, it's been so rewarding in this role that I'm in to be able to bounce around K-12, right, coming from a high school English background and see what personalized learning looks like in this is a true story. Swimming, PE, welding, mm-hmm. pottery, kindergarten, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, like sixth grade math and the uh, to step into those worlds and to see the way in which like you're talking about these excellent educators are saying hey I understand that choice can be made available and it can look like this and if that happens and here's a way we're gonna start to build this thing out from there uh, it's just been it's been really interesting and I at times even find myself going gosh I almost wish I was back in the classroom yeah I could steal to try something new out throw it all in together and it's it's cool too to see um, or people take gamification and bring that along with personalized learning yeah or they're taking other things that, that they're kind of passionate about or interested in and merging that with some of those same core philosophies with those elements and uh, that's also really fun so that's cool you got a chance to experience that yeah it's I think that was one of the best pieces is just seeing what teachers what they do and how you can learn off of it and that's mm-hmm. you know I think other teachers need to go out and take time to do that and it's hard I mean we all know what a teacher's day is like but it's getting out there and seeing seeing it yeah, that's something that uh, I'm going to share a podcast, I think probably next week, where we're going to talk a little bit about how we built out this initiative. Uh, and one of the things that we promote is, like, because there's different check boxes. We have kind of a rubric for scaling up in personalized learning within our district. I'm not talking about that on the podcast mm-hmm. at all yet. And one of those is to go observe other people. And that has been super fun to support because uh, we'll come in as personal learning collaborators and be guest teachers for folks. Mm-hmm. And so it's been awesome to encourage others to go and see those things. I know Ben Powers went down to the middle school and learned some things there. I know some seventh grade teachers at the middle school were talking about, hey, I want to go to one of us to high school and one of us to sixth yeah. grade. So let's yeah. like see both ends and then come back and collaborate. And and to get elementary teachers out of their building. And I'll be in third grade and first grade in the next two weeks filling in for teachers so they can go see someone in an entirely different building. And uh, and seeing things awesome. across the district, too, it helps you build a greater appreciation for, as a high school teacher, for what all those kids have experienced coming up to you. 
Yeah. Is that, you know, having been at the middle school, I get that. And being at the high school, I can apply the secondary course sequence and flow and what it's like to see those types of learners. But put me in an elementary situation. I've got, you know, my kids to base off, but I don't know what an <laughs> elementary teacher's day looks sure. like. And, you know, and I know they are extremely hard workers just to see how much they have to go through. And I think there's a lot we can learn from an elementary to a high school person. Mm-hmm. That's why I really like that our trainings, when we bring t- teachers together to have conversations about personalized learning for the first time, that we do have K-12 in the room. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes... I think of Greg Ratliff in our engineering and tech department here paired up with a second grade teacher at one point, and we just said, hey, you know, share what you had in your conversations. He goes, I learned so much from second grade that I think I can take a couple of those examples even implement what I'm doing, yeah. you know, ENT at the high school. Uh, and so there, there are some commonalities across that, like you said, that I think are worth uh, investing in, and it's cool when you can yeah. have those conversations. So what would you say are maybe the two or three big takeaways from all of it that you're like, or actually, no, we're still in element down. You said there yeah. were three there statistical are three. elements. Okay, the, so let's go to the third one, then we'll the, get to that The question. last one is interesting be- with how we are as a district, being a one-to-one um, Apple district, was technology support. And looking in with technology, it was people's, and you could see how much they're pushing themselves in technology. I want to preface it with that, is saying, what do you actually count now as technology integration in your classroom, sure. which I thought was really interesting because, you know, if you're using the computer, whether you're using it for data entry or for writing and editing, some people were thinking, is that even enough anymore? The yeah. count, which it's interesting to open up that type of question, but it's cool. is like people keep pushing the envelope mm-hmm. with it and say, okay, now we want to use this for collaboration. So yeah. should your, you know, when you put how many days implement it, should you just implement it if you're just typing a paper? Well, yeah, I mean, you're still using it because of then the editing that you can do with that. But it's just how broad now people are thinking of here's what technology can do. Now here's where we keep pushing and that that pushing should be what really counts. Right. So it was it was neat to hear that and just knowing that I think especially with my kids even coming up in this district, how they're going to be pushed to keep Mm -hmm. moving forward and keep thinking of bigger and better things. Yeah. And that's a whole SAMR model, right? Yeah. As much as I I think that. Uh, substitution or augment- augmentation. augmentation yeah level of the same model it, there's some value there if we're just going to substitute like we we're talking about earlier um, to allow learners to learn from a video versus a lecture yeah. if that's their preference that might be a, an augmentation level of things but when you start to talk about what the students are actually doing it is cool to start to see the movement that we're it having is going in more district. into the modification and Absolutely. redefinition it's yeah. really moving there getting a chance to lead this year a group on I know we're both in the eMERGE initiative mm-hmm. um, our group is like real world connections so how are we reaching out at the high school level to local businesses to go on virtual tours um, to Skype with you know <laughs> experts that aren't even in the Omaha area uh, and that's been really interesting to start to think about leveraging technology in that capacity um, you're leading a group also right? we um, I'm working on the group on student reflection and ownership of learning okay. so we're looking at tools that can even be just some quick things that teachers can do to have students think a little bit more about their learning and to create action plans and steps of saying, okay, when I reflect, here's what I really need to do. Mm-hmm. And then that will hopefully motivate them to go do it. <laughs> and weird because these things could all fit into the personalized model. And yes. what's been awesome district-wide has been, hey, can we do our eMERGE, which is our tech initiative, and our personalized learning goal, and our building district, here's what I want to do. And Put all those together. Blend them together. With then support. it's going to be more, it's going to be powerful if you mm-hmm. can find things that 
all support each other versus yep. being torn in three different ways. <laughs> right. I'm being told to yeah check a lot of boxes that, that don't have any sort of connection across those. So we're, we're going to have some really awesome learning experiences, I think, yeah. that come out of putting all this uh, together. So, okay, so there's our three. So maybe back yep. to my question. What were your big kind of takeaways, I guess, from all of this? I think the biggest things that I've kind of learned from it is as a department chair, it's made me rethink of things that I can do within my department and that maybe I can help support within my school. And so if I had to sum up my three major themes, it was focusing on just the personalized learning elements, making sure people feel comfortable within those definitions Mm -hmm. and making them work for their content areas, what that might look like and understand that student voice and choice is going to look different in one content area versus another, but that they can still do it. Sure. It doesn't have to be the same. That's the beauty of personalized learning. It's not going to be the same. Well, it's personalized no to the teacher it's, yes. and the content area. And, and the level that making sure that we're taking all of that and personalizing it towards teachers' strengths, which will be nice since we are looking at Gallup strengths mm, as okay. a building as well. Um, making sure teachers are constantly being pushed in their content area and providing opportunities for them to continue growing as an engineering teacher, as a math teacher, as a journalism mm-hmm. teacher, as an art teacher and doing things that we can help them grow in that way so then they can take their learning and push that towards their students. And then also looking at time. We need to make sure that we are giving teachers time to dream big. Right. And it's, you know, we have our daily lessons and sometimes you'll see teachers with the binders and they'll pull out the binder, here's the next day's lesson, because they don't have that time to sit and create and dream. And work through that. And we need to make sure we're giving them that time. Mm -hmm. And I say dream big because I want them to think out of the box. I want them to be creative. And a lot of teachers want to go there. It's sure. just when and how. And that's why, so we sat down, it had been two summers ago, and said, well, you know, well, how are we going to build this out? What's our initiative going to look like? And that was one of the first things that we said was that if you're going to build an entire unit, whatever that means in your you know context, yeah. then we want to be able to allocate a half a day sub to allow you to have four hours to build that out. And it has been remarkable to me, because here's what this typically looks like then, is that someone will say, hey, will you come in and brainstorm with me? So we meet for you know, 20, 30 minutes as part of a plan period, and they go from, here's my trouble spot, or like this is an issue, or I differentiate here already, I think I can do something more. You get a vision for where you want to go. Mm-hmm. They meet one more plan period after that, and you sort of tinker and put all these like pieces in place, and then the teacher typically, on their own time, kind of gets it right up to the place where you can really start working and then they go I want to take a half day and then you know we'll meet at West Campus or wherever it might be um, and for four hours and if they would like and in most cases they do have one of us help well now you got two people for four hours building this thing out yeah and, and it moves um, when you're really ready to, to take that step you know when you come in there with a plan about what you want to get done and uh, I think the best examples have come from that because to your point time is so important um, yeah. and so difficult sometimes to carve out, but it's been great to be able to extend that opportunity and and I think it's really been a big piece that's moved the needle for folks. And teachers, they want to do things well. They don't want to put minimal effort in it and mm-hmm. put it in the classroom. They want to be well prepared. So like, for instance, I worked with one of your fellow collaborators this summer, Kristen mm-hmm. Hogan. And Shout out Kristen Hogan. <laughs> we always love Kristen. She can come up here anytime and visit. <laughs> um, but we wanted to do something with some prerequisite skills for our honors geometry course just because we need to make sure that they've got their algebra that they didn't forget it all over the summer but we didn't have a lot of time to pull that into the semester okay and this is our this is our segue to yeah. the back half of the See, podcast help, i love what you, you did there. there i love what you did there um, <laughs> do my job so, for me this is great and kristen's taught the course before so she mm-hmm. knows what we're talking about and 
we sat one morning and just said, okay, here's what needs to get done. What ideas do you have? So then Kristen mentioned a menu that she worked on for our AB calculus class and something kind of similar for our AP stats class. Mm -hmm. She goes, well, here's kind of a foundation of what we could do. Now, Kristen and I are a little crazy. I mean, we'll admit we come up with some <laughs> some odd ideas, but they always work. Yeah. And we, with the menu, we decided to go completely food themed and develop a algebra menu of skills that students need to be successful for the honors geometry course. Mm -hmm. So Kristen wanted to take a little ownership and kind of do a lot of the clip art and the themes. And this I trust her wholeheartedly. Pinterest worthy PowerPoint. Yes, it is. Or excuse me, Google slide. Is it a Google slide? It's a Google slide. Yeah. Uh, that I've ever seen in my life. She even put little faces on the chili peppers <laughs> and on the little tacos. She had to do the faces separate, but she was so excited, and it is so cute. Yeah, but so we're gonna put this resource in the in the show notes. So definitely, you know, download this if you'd like to make it your own. But when we're talking menu, we're saying you like click on. All food like, themed. Yeah, this particular meal, and you go to it, and then your options are to click on the meatball. Or yes, the, like, and that was the slide. Is. That's my favorite one. I love that slide. <laughs> so it's like a bowl of spaghetti, and then each meatball is a different skill. Yeah. And so you click on this meatball, and it leads you to a video on one math skill. Click on a different meatball, it leads you to a yep. video on another one. Yep. And then you have your fork and your knife, and the fork is practice problems, and then the knife might be the answer key. And so it's, we went crazy. I said, if we're doing menu, we're going completely food menu. Yeah. And she's a foodie, so it all worked. I mean, we have a pancake plate. <laughs> we have a taco plate. We have, I think, a slice of cake. Yeah. And it was just fun to do because now if we want to add more skills, I mean, obviously we're going to be able to come up with another menu item mm -hmm. to do more skills on that. And it's still in progress. I mean, it's we had it out there for students to go and you know, just practice skills. So if they were struggling with radicals, they could watch videos for simplifying a radical, mm -hmm. adding and subtracting, multiplying and dividing. They could target that specific skill that they needed. And they had a worksheet they were doing in class for me, but I also put different review problems that were similar on the slide so there was more practice for them to go to if they knew that that one just wasn't going as well. Sure. Or so they could check that before they turned in their work to me. And what I want to do where we ran out of time and you know what, it's all fine, that mm -hmm. happens, is this year we're with my teammate, we are building a list of websites for additional practice. So we're going to build on of if you want more practice, go here and we're looking for games. So I love coolmath.com is one of my quirky little websites and saying, okay, what games can I find so they can continue doing some quick practice that's going to continue spitting out more problems. Yeah. And it'll be engaging. So it's, it's a practice that you want to seek out versus yes. just additional work. So that's the next step nice. with the menu is to say, okay, once you have what I've provided, where can you go for more mm -hmm. and to keep those kids seeking more? I hope to repeat the whole thing with pre-calculus. It's just, you know, it's it's the time thing. Let's get one, let's yep. get done. We've got the kinks kind of worked out and I know, okay, here's what I want to do. So now I'm ready to add it to another class. And it's going to mm -hmm. be nice because the menu items will be there. It's just going to be changing all the links. Yeah. And I, so as you're talking, I'm hearing kind of three things that I think are worth bringing up. And one um, is an idea. I don't know. I heard Michael Matera on his well-played podcast, like talk about this. And I, I think about it more and more all the time is the, just the idea of intentionality, right? Mm -hmm. doesn't matter if you're gamifying, if you're personalizing, mm -hmm. whatever it is. When you sit down and just really go, no, I'm not going to, as you said earlier, just turn the page and pull out the yeah. <laughs> next assignment. When you sit down and invest in something, it's going to improve. Like it's yeah. going to be better because you're, you're dedicating additional effort, time, focus, and thought uh, to, to trying to make that a better experience for students. Uh, and then from there, 
once you get that started and you make it your own and you do silly things like the meatballs that maybe take more time than you need, but you go into class with such an excitement and a good vibe and students sit down and go, wow, they really put some time into they this. They were hungry. They wanted some food. <laughs> they asked why I wasn't bringing in spaghetti and meatballs when I showed it to them. And and well, and well, even that friendly banter, right? These are all things that add to the positive classroom climate and make you, uh, as learners, you just excited to be yeah. in class because you know that this is a It's not a another boring math worksheet. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> And the third, the third aspect of all that in, is then as well is that we do have to be, we have to forgive ourselves a little bit sometimes and say that it doesn't have to be perfect the first time yeah. out. And it's okay if there's an aspiration for an aspect of this to be developed that doesn't happen this time, but it will at a later date. But you just got to get things started. And I think that's why for us with this initiative too, we just want try one element because if you can incorporate one element and that starts to grow, the next thing you're going to do is go, yeah, I kind of need this other element too. And, and it, maybe it's that um, safe of a starting place. Maybe it's because of time. That's like a bite that you can take. <laughs> maybe to begin with one element where other people dive into a unit and it's all five. But whatever it is for you as a person, as an educator, um, to get started, you just, you just got to go with it. And you'll learn enough and, and afterwards go, yeah, let's get, let's get onto this math yeah, and, website and add some more games. And even more the fun. special education department, one of the teachers in our eMERGE group, because we showed that as an example of student ownership because they can do all that review at their own time, mm-hmm. is she's like, I would just like to have this for my special education students so that way we can target those skills and have practice for them as well. And so, you know, once we get some kinks worked out, maybe we can do this for our classes yeah. and have this so we can support our students that need a little little extra support in there and have something for them mm-hmm. for that practice so they can become stronger students as well and build this out. Just an awesome personalized resource to help fill in the gaps that you don't always have the time yeah. to revisit or to allow students to just fully develop because you are trying to keep up with your teammates and keep up with the yeah. curriculum and keep up with all these things. That's awesome that you guys uh, put a resource together for that. So. I could talk all day, yeah. but we have kind of reached our, our time for today. Hey. So, Angela, I super appreciate all your Anytime. effort and work and the things that you've done um, for your students and for furthering personalized learning just as a, uh, a topic in education. Um, so, congrats again on your doctorate. Thank doctor. you. You're probably got to be super excited about that. I am. So, Dr. Mosier. Yes. Thank you so much for coming. No problem. Thanks today. for coming in. Yeah. Well, that's a wrap on another great episode. For more information or to contact us directly, you can email our team at personalized.learning at westside66.net. As always, thanks for tuning in and learning from the Westside Personalized Podcast.